Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Good morning, everybody. It's Thursday, December 29th, 5.40 a.m. Central Time as I speak here. March corn futures down two and three quarters at 6.80. March soybeans down two at 15.12 and a quarter. March Chicago wheat down nine at 7.76 and a half. March Kansas City wheat down 10 at 8.72 and a quarter. March spring wheat down 11 at 9.23. If you guys are listening on the podcast, appreciate it. Ratings and reviews are welcome. If you're watching on YouTube, like, subscribe, comment. All of that stuff will help YouTube to help me to grow this channel. Appreciate it as always. If you'd like some additional information from me, visit my website, www.standardgrain.com. Check out my premium subscription service today, guys. I send my premium subscribers a ton of information direct from me every single business day. Morning email goes out about 5.30 a.m. Central Time. In that email, you'll see every overnight headline you need to be aware of. Charts, graphics, weather information, all of my grain marketing recommendations included here. My daily subscription. Subscriber-only videos are sent out every single business day. There's a brand new one. Yesterday, I was joined by Brian Split from agmarket.net, who's uh, one of my contributors. Uh, we ran through some corn, soybean, and wheat charts, talked about key areas of support and resistance when it comes to uh, old crop corn, old crop soybeans, old crop uh, HRW wheat. If you guys are interested in this sort of content, sign up today. 50 bucks a month, cancel at any time. No other fee, no other obligation. Nobody will try to sell you anything else, I promise. Russia's wheat crop keeps getting bigger. Well-followed private group Sova Econ pegged the crop at 101.2 million metric tons, up just marginally from their previous estimate. The improved outlook is the result of slightly higher yields in some areas. USDA has the Russian crop pegged at 91 million metric tons. They did not make an upward revision in their most recent report. So you've got a 10 million metric ton difference between USDA and Econ. That's like 370 million bushels. That's a substantial difference. Uh, Russia is projected to be the world's fourth largest wheat producer this year behind China, the European Union, and India. Russia, however, is the world's largest exporter of wheat by a pretty wide margin. So I know that, you know, when you look at the United States and the wheat situation, we've got drought, we've got, uh, you know, ugly looking conditions, maybe some winter kill here recently, but Russia's got a monster crop. Uh, they're kind of the uh, global price setter, if you want to put it that way, given that they're the largest exporter. So this is kind of a, a bearish deal potentially uh, for the wheat market. The fact that Russia has this uh, really big crop that's going to be exported. The possibility of a peaceful resolution in Ukraine appears pretty unlikely. Both sides have insisted that they're willing to discuss a peaceful resolution, yet neither side appears to be interested in budging on any sort of, of demands. Russia said this week that Ukraine must officially give up the four regions that Russia has annexed in order for peace to be achieved. Ukraine earlier this week proposed a peace summit, but they said that Russia could only participate in the peace summit if it faced a war crimes tribunal, and I don't think Russia's interested in that. Some analysts believe that these hardline stances, if you want to put it that way, um, suggest that both sides believe that they can still gain ground on the battlefield. Ukraine's military said on Wednesday that Russia had launched a barrage of missile strikes in the south. New reports uh, just this morning indicate that Russia launched another large-scale attack overnight. Uh, nearly 70 cruise missiles launched at Ukrainian targets overnight. Bloomberg reporting that 54 of those missiles were intercepted. So there's been no major disruption to grain shipments. The grain markets don't appear interested at all in trading these 
these headlines. We haven't traded these Russia Ukraine headlines in a long time. If there were to be a situation where exports are disrupted, yeah, we'll trade that, but we're not there right now. Uh, Brazil's forecast is wet. Argentina's forecast is quite a bit drier by comparison. So these key corn and soybean growing areas of Argentina, you'll maybe see an inch of rain up to an inch and a half locally uh, from today through January 7th. But a lot of these areas are going to see next to nothing uh, during that same time frame. So the rain's going to be kind of sparse. Brazil is much, much wetter by comparison. Uh, the vast majority of Brazilian soybean growing areas should see two to three inches of rain in total uh, over the next 10 days or so, barring these far southern areas. So long story short, I mean, it's it's same story, different day. Brazil's in really good shape. The Brazilian crop's going to be every bit of 150 million metric tons, maybe better than that. The previous record for Brazil is 139.5 from two years ago. So they're going to just eclipse the previous record by a wide margin. Uh, for reference, so Brazil's going to be 150. The U.S., we harvested 118 million metric tons of beans uh, this year. Argentina's crop's going to be in the 45 million metric ton neighborhood. Crude oil prices are under pressure. Uh, headlines are funny. So some of the uh, news outlets are blaming a surge in Chinese COVID cases as the cause for this week's price decline in crude oil. Um, so when crude oil sells off, it's because they're reopening and you've got a, a surge in COVID cases. When it rallies, it's because they're reopening and that's positive for demand. Uh, in any case, I've got a weekly crude chart on my screen here. This is a bear market, guys. I mean, there's no there's no doubt about it. This has been a bear market since June. It's been a downtrending uh, deal since then. This is a market that I think a lot of people uh, think should go higher or fundamentally think should be higher, but it's not. And and until you break out above, you know, kind of a long long standing downtrend here, which is you know somewhere in the mid 80s. Yeah, this is this is a bear market, and and the reason I don't really know. The headlines are are conflicting, uh, as I mentioned. Economic data, uh, U.S. pending home sales fell for a sixth consecutive month to their second lowest level on record in November. These are actually some crazy statistics. So the National Association of Realtors publishes an index of contract signings each month. The index declined by 4% in November. This was the lowest reading on record, and the, re the records date back to 2001, on record outside of uh, 2020 pandemic data. So the reading was worse even than anything seen in 2008 during the global financial crisis, the housing collapse. I've got the uh, chart of that on my screen here. So the, the worst that this index has ever been, U.S. pending home sales, was actually 2020, like during the COVID panic. Uh, nobody was buying anything and nobody knew what to do. But this is worse. This index print uh, for November is worse than even what you saw in 2008, 2009, 2010. So ugly stuff. I mean, the reasoning is obvious. Higher interest rates. Um, mortgage rates are like double what they were at the beginning of the calendar year. Um, the report suggests that, um, and I assume this to be true, that these uh, statistics lag by about two months or pending home sales lag mortgage rates rather by about two months. So you've seen a slight decline in mortgage rates. You may see a slight pickup in uh, pending home sales in December and January as a result of that. This is a cool piece from Market Watch. Five trading days accounted for the vast majority of the losses in the U.S. stock market this year. So the S&P 500 is going to lose 20% this year, give or take, depending on what happens uh, today and tomorrow. Uh, the piece in Market Watch illustrates how just five trading days accounted for 95% of the year's losses. If you were to take these five days, September 13th, May 18th, June 13th, April 29th, May 5th, if you took, took those away, you wouldn't have had a bad year, but you have these big three and a half, four 4% down days. Uh, that's what, what 
kills the returns for the year. A lot of uh, financial advisors out there would give you similar statistics in a bull market. They'd say, you know, if you miss the three or four best days in an up year, you'll see drastically reduced returns. So just kind of interesting how, you know, just a handful of days can make or break a year uh, when it comes to the stock market. The cattle market was uh, mixed in live cattle, a little bit higher in feeder cattle yesterday. There was some light cash cattle trade reported in the north at 158, I believe. Outside markets, we've got the U.S. dollar a little bit lower. Stocks are marginally higher. Uh, the S and P's up 14. The Dow Jones up 60. Gold's down four bucks. Crude oil down 94 cents at 78.15 last in the March WTI. Have a great day, guys. I'll talk to you Friday.